Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck coming at you from a packed neck of the woods brewing company here in Pittman. Dr. Frey, it's a great crowd, huh? What a night, man. It's, uh, yeah, uh, probably the, the busiest night I can yeah. remember in the last, I don't know, how long, months. I don't see an open table in, the, in this place right now. Pretty awesome. Brian, the bartender back there working hard by himself in a, a full house, and he's got his hand, he got his uh, work cut out for him tonight. Treating us as well as he always does. Yeah. Dr. Frey, you brought back one of my favorite guests for tonight's episode. Who'd you got with you tonight? We brought back former MLB pitcher Greg Burke. Greg, how you how you doing, man? Oh, gentlemen, good to be back. Third time around. Yeah. <laughs> I think last time I gilded you into getting me back sooner, so <laughs> right. I'm happy to be here. Right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll come on anytime you guys need me. Um, but yeah, doing great. It yeah. is packed house. Yeah. This lager's delicious, and I'm excited to be here as always. All right. Greg, the last time we had you on, I, I, I looked back. It, it wasn't as long as I thought it was. It was episode 28, so that was only about eight or nine episodes ago. It was the beginning of November, and the reason why we thought it'd be interesting to bring you back on today was as we closed out that episode, and we were talking about the, the Tommy John injuries, right. and um, we closed it out because we had started talking about what we felt was like an inevitable strike coming for MLB. And you gave your thoughts on that. And, you know, here we sit on February 9th, I believe today is. Um, 8th, 9th, somewhere around, somewhere around that, that yeah. time. Sure. But we're in the middle of it. And, and it had happened kind of like what we had said right in the beginning of December. Mm -hmm. um, and you were spot on with your predictions. You, you know, you kind of said that you thought that this is the way things were heading. And, you know, th thought now a, a good time with, you know, the Super Bowl next week, the NHL on the All-Star break. The Olympics are going on, but there wasn't a lot of in times. yeah, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of injury specific things to talk about. But I mean, for all for all us baseball fans, this is the time of year we were normally looking forward to, and unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be happening quite yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess our spring trainings typically be scheduled for about a week from now, right? Yeah, it's usually I, about the middle of February. I think I think pitchers and catchers were coming in the 14th, if I believe. Yeah, next Monday. Typical. Next Monday. Yeah, 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 right. There you go. So. Yeah, I think this was all foreshadowed way back then from like 2020, right? Mm -hmm. The pandemic hit, um, you know, sports shut down for the most part, and then baseball tried to get back into it. And they had a real struggle of, of agreeing the terms and what the season looked like and, and, and many other things. So, yeah, there's a lot of money missed out on the player side. And I'm sure the owner said the same thing, but they had extended playoffs. More teams made it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the revenue situation was there. But either way, there's a lot of animosity. And guess what? There's always a lot of animosity between these two. Without question. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. And I don't know what other uh, PAs and, and league owners are like in other sports. But, there, I mean, it truly is. It's a us versus them, no trust, never uh, situation. It's always been that way, at least since I've been around. Um, or at least been, you know, privy to some of that information. But, um, yeah, it looked like it was going that way, right? So they yeah. played out last year. And then here, of course, it was all about this offseason. And here it comes in December, whatever, early December, they uh, owners locked them out, right? They officially shut it down. They said the CBA is, is expired. We're not operating that anymore. And we now need to go to the negotiating table, which they were going to go to anyway. And let's put it this way. They didn't need to lock them out. Like, the lockout... The owners, the owners decided on that. They could right. have continued to operate inside that CBA if they both agreed on it until they agreed on new terms. So, right. you know, and there's some leverage situations too with like the owners saying, if we lock it out sooner than later, it gives us a chance to have a season and still get those playoffs. Because for them, that's the big picture, right? It's getting that playoff money at the very end. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's where we're at right now, you know. And I basically only know from what I read online and I try to, you know, interpret what I see and, and what I think and, you know, what I think i know let's put it that way um 
and it looks like they've negotiated a few times back and forth and may have been some BS or, or whatever it may be. But then um, I guess this last time, right, the players sent something over to the uh, the owners. The owners said they're not going to you know, recounter and they want to negotiate. Yeah. So, and then you know the, the the player said no. So yeah, they're, they're locked, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of you know situations and a lot of um, uh, certain things that they need to agree on, and you know it's always a push and pull with these guys. So I don't know where it's going to go. We'll see. I mean, it looks like the season's probably going to be delayed. I mean, let's put it this way: if they can figure out a deal within the next, so I don't know, two weeks, right. they might have they probably have a chance. You know, right. they need to get spring training by March first for a realistic time. Maybe mid, maybe mid March, and they'd have a really shortened spring training. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But, but usually you know. opening weekend is the like last weekend of March, right? Yeah. April first. Yeah. I thought yeah, April it's, 1st. it's right there. Right. So you think a two week spring training is they they would figure it out, I guess? Or? Yeah, I mean I you know, yeah. I don't know for right, sure. Right. right. I'm piecing some of the pieces of the puzzle together as, as you as you mentioned, it's the owners that locked them out at that particular point to get the process going. And so when I think about it though, Right, right. Pitchers catches report typically mid-February, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, players report usually like a week or two later, the, uh, the hitters a yeah, week or two yeah. later. Pitchers are always there two weeks before the hitters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then they have spring officially. training officially, right. right? And then they have spring training and your season opens sometime around April 1st, right? The way I would imagine it, players probably care less about spring training than the owners, right? Players don't get paid for spring training. Now, granted, it's the time to warm up, it's time to get into shape, it's time to get into playing uh, condition, but spring training has actually become a moneymaker for the owners. Like like to lose spring training is a factor. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder if piecing it all together, owners locked them out in December with the idea, let's get this process rolling now. So hopefully by the time spring training rolls around, We've reached a solution. Mm -hmm. From the player's standpoint, it's almost like some of the, it's a little bit of the leverage, the pendulum swings a little bit in the player's direction at, at this particular point because for the next six weeks until April, they really don't have much to lose. They're not losing any money. Owners are. Yeah. Come April 1st, when, when the regular season is supposed to begin, that's an issue for the players, right? Now they're going to start losing paychecks. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd say that's probably accurate, right? I mean, for the most part, I mean, I, th I think the ultimate, I th the way I look at it as is the owners lose the most money towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So that's their crown jewel. That's what they so, can't, right. they can't let that right. get destroyed. So whatever they need to do prior to that needs to make sure that that end of season stuff still goes on. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a benefit for them starting this lockout as early as possible. So the time, they have enough time to negotiate or to, to whatever you know, mm -hmm. stare at each other in the face, whatever they do. Right. You know what I mean? Until they get to that playoff time. But you're right. I mean, I would also say too, like I, you know, from the player's perspective, I'm a, I'm a, I have a different perspective. I'm not a, I wasn't a, a superstar, right? right? Spring training for me was important. Of course. Like I needed to be in spring training because right. I needed to make a team. That's your chance, you know? right? Right. So now I also didn't have as strong a voice in the PA because I was a, a lower level guy, you know, not much service time and things like that. However, it does seem like those veterans guys are, are really now considering those you know, younger players and, and their situations that they are in. So it just sounds cool. like that's yeah. that's kind yeah. of some of their asks, like some of the things that they want to see changed. And, sure. And whereas the, it sounds like the owners are basically saying like, no, we don't want to change anything. Tough, yeah. Tough. Yeah. And I'm biased. You know, right. And I, I try to I try to look at this with an unbiased view, but I, I can't. I, I always side with the players. But at the end of the day, like they just don't get along. That's what it comes down <laughs> to. It's like you got two people that hate each other, two organizations that hate each other. And they try to come to terms and they they ultimately want to keep making money. 
and the players feel like the owners are exploiting them and making so much money and they're not getting a piece of it and the owners think Probably the players are greedy. Probably a reasonable argument. Yeah, and, uh, the, and the, the owners think the players are greedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't necessarily agree with them either, right? Yeah, yeah. Millions and millions of dollars. No, they're not all getting that. But, so I think that's where it's at and ultimately they always butt heads. Um, even when they agree, it's always like a meh. All right, <laughs> I guess we'll do yeah. this. Let's get the season going, right? right it's never right. like, okay, let's do this. So I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I think they will come to terms at some point, but it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do. I mean, they try to bring in like a federal mediator, right? Yeah, just recently. Said, no way. They shut it down. Yeah. yeah. They said, are no there, way. Let's negotiate back and forth. Are there other components other than just the money side of things that are holding this up at this point? Or is that really what it all comes uh, yeah, down to? I would every say time? ultimately it's money. Right, always. Right? I mean, yeah. in every facet of what they're talking about, it always comes down to money at the, in the end. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, mm -hmm. just like other sports, ultimately it's a business, right? You got yeah. two businesses negotiating with each other. Mm -hmm. and they need to get along to some extent to yeah. both make money. I think one of the over um, overarching themes of all of this in the last however many years of baseball is what it does to the sport in general. That's right? the scary thing. We talked about that last time. Right. Too. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Right. Yeah. And that's, I didn't say it's my concern, right? Because it's right. not, you know, I'm, I'm nothing. But it, but it's, it's it's a big concern considering the, the, the uptick in all these other sports like lacrosse, um, I don't know, just other travel sports in general that are picking up during this season, right? And right. they're taking it away. And um, and baseball really missed on an opportunity a couple of years ago in the pandemic, man. They could have came out of that looking like superstars. There was no other sports going on. Yeah. Everybody would have watched baseball. Yeah. But they decided to delay it. And of course, fans get ticked off. They say these million dollar players are, you know, they're, they're bitching about, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they get paid millions, you know, and, and, and I understand their standpoint too, right? Mm -hmm. It just, it was a missed opportunity and it looks like it's another missed opportunity, especially the way viewership has gone and, and all of that and, and other sports have gone up. I know NFL had a, a mini dip, but it seems like they came back. Mm -hmm. So they're more focused on working together. It, it seems like, right? I don't know their situation, you know, intimately, but their PA and their owners are working together to build the sport. You know, they're going to London. Right. They're doing yeah. these random night games or, you know, yeah. I don't know. It feels like there's always like four or five there. nights a week. Now. There you go. Right. So I don't know if, if baseball could focus on that more. Would that help? Probably at least put your energy that way. Right. So I don't know where it's going to go. At the end of the day, I think they will have a season. It'll probably be delayed. Who knows how long? Um, there'll be a middle ground somewhere. At the end of the day, they're both coming back, and it's like they just don't want to meet in the middle. I mean, it's, they're gonna they're gonna end up there. I, I think I think we talked about it last time, right? Like there was a significant decline following the MLB strike in '94. Yeah, I mean, it took what the steroid error to really get That's interest good. back into the yes. game, and I mean that was a six seven so year you're period. Telling me we're headed for another <laughs> steroid error? <laughs> no, 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 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> We might touch on that later, but yeah. yeah I mean, right, right. <laughs> you had mentioned the importance of spring training to you. At what point of the winter would you begin conditioning for spring training? Yeah. Um, so that probably probably depends on how good a season I had the prior season. <laughs> right? but I, mean, I, I remember the, like conversations with some of my old players where even the term, like I wouldn't pick up a baseball till December. I mean, like how, how, what was your timeline like? So I always, like, I always gave myself a little bit of time to recover. Yeah. Just, I mean, and I don't even know if this is the right amount. You need it. And yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a long season, right? So anywhere from like, I'm talking three weeks, mm -hmm. maybe a month. And yeah. I was getting the itch like immediately. Right. Right? right. And back to my point, like if I had a terrible season, guess what? Was, I like wanted to start seven day days. One. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So I would like be fighting to not go to the gym and right. all that stuff. So, right. but either way, my typical regimen was give myself some time to recover, whether that was three ish weeks, whatever it may be, and then hit the gym really, really hard. I wouldn't pick up a baseball for a little bit. Yeah. I would that's, try to get that's it. not a lot of time, by the way, but yeah, right. no, but at least I know. Something. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not. And I know I, I probably worked 
I probably did too much rather than, you know, mm -hmm. space it out. But either way, that's what I would do. I would hit the gym really hard. I would work out. I try to get big as strong and fast as possible. And then um, I would typically pick up a ball. I was a volume guy too, so I yeah. wanted to throw a lot. I yeah. really wanted to throw a lot. Right. I wouldn't get on the mound a lot until towards the end of um, the off season, but probably like mid November ish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe December one, right about that right. time. And then it was super. It was all it was was long tossing. Yeah. Um, every other day, I would ramp up. Maybe right. like every third day, and then I would go every other day, and then I would start going like every really heavy day, and then like a lightish day, and then right. back and forth. But I would throw. I would try to throw every day. By the end of December, I was throwing every day. January one for sure. Yeah. And then I'd get on the mound. Probably early January, mid January. It's right there in bullpen. Wow. You took the words right out of my mouth, though. So you ramped up with knowing an end date, right? You knew mid February you'd be reporting to camp. So yeah. you knew when it was appropriate to ramp up. Right. What does a, a strike or a delay like this, however we want to coin the term, what does that do for people looking like if people like in your shoes this year, when do they know to start getting ready? I feel like that's the question. You, yeah, you don't want to come out of the question. gate too. I mean, what if this goes so until ages. April? I mean, and a guy right now is ramping up and getting off the mound, but we don't know when that's really going to be needed. Yeah, I, I think that comes down to your situation. Yeah. So, like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not on the 40-man roster. I got yeah. a couple scenarios, or a few scenarios. Yeah. I'm not on the 40-man roster. I'm a minor league player. It looks like they're going to strike or whatever. They're, they're, yeah. they're at a work stoppage. You know, spring training's probably going to happen. I mean – and probably going to happen is a relative term, but I mean, the, the owners could decide that they're going to have this spring training with minor league players, right? They did it years and years yeah. ago with, you know, replacement players, they called yeah. them, right? Right. They could do that. So if I'm a minor league player, I'm acting like I need to be ready February 14th. Yeah. Like I'm going to be called into big league spring training and play, yeah. which is possible. I know a guy actually is with the Phillies right now. He's basically getting called up or getting called down to mid February and he's going to, he's going to be there. Right. Yeah. So they need to act like it, it's, it's, it's going to be normal time. Yeah. I think a guy who's on the 40 man, who's you know part of the PA needs to almost do the same thing but needs to be ready right because they right. need to prove themselves yeah. now you go to the veteran guy I don't know right. I'm not saying I'd be in that situation but yeah. like I don't know I could be like well we're not playing like yeah. eh, I'll just wait till they call me I'll right. work out you know what I mean I'll, I'll, I'll be in good shape and things like that but I'm, I know I'm going to need some time for the training I know I'm going to have those two three four weeks to really get ramped up so right. yeah but, I think it, it all depends on your situation um but I guarantee you got guys, you know, blowing it out already. Like so when you say they'll, they'll have two weeks, three weeks, four weeks to get to get ramped up, is it is, is that what you would anticipate? Let's say this uh, lockout runs into May. I'm just throwing out a number. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you think that then you know, they reach an agreement? They're going to say, "Great, we're going to start in three weeks, or we're going to start in a month," or, or are you saying that because they're going to say, "All right, you know, I can use the first two weeks or three weeks, the first week, couple weeks of the season." As part of my, like, no one's going to hold it against me that I'm not ready to go at that point in time. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of excuses, right? Yeah. I mean, look, in my opinion, this is how the typical the major league season happens anyway, right? And baseball has gone this way throughout the season for the last few years. But, you know, the, the, the beginning of the season is dominated by pitching anyway, at least by power pitching, right? For sure. Because the hitters are still trying to catch up a little bit. And guess what? Spring training is different than the big league season. Yeah, it's just different at the end of the day, right? You get the lights on stuff starts to matter, it changes, right? So you start to see 100 mile an hour fastballs with a little life on it, it changes it. So there's yeah. always a lag anyway from the hitter's perspective. There'll be a longer lag this time because the hitters won't even get to see. It depends on what that spring training, right? You know, whatever that looks like. It'll, it'll take longer for them to actually see more live hitting. Maybe they'll see less pitches. 
But, you know, so I, I was thinking about this on the ride over here about what that's going to look like for pitchers, right? The game's gone, so pitchers going to need to build up, right? But the game isn't like that anymore. You don't have starting pitchers throwing six, seven innings. It's true. There's a handful of guys who do that. I saw a stat that were like, it was some of, I don't know, there was like 60 pitchers through 200 innings like six years ago. I'm getting these stats skewed. But like last year, there was only like five. Right. You know, so like, and we all saw baseball going this right, right? So I don't know if it's going to really affect the pitchers a ton because these right. guys don't throw a lot anyway. Now, they might carry more pitchers. They might say, hey, instead of carrying 25, 26 on your roster, we'll let you carry 30 for the first month mm -hmm. because we're going to need more pitchers filtering in and out. Yeah. But these guys are one inning, two inning guys max anyway. So you, you said something that actually went, went against the grain of what, what I would have expected. You said, you know, at the beginning of the season, the pitchers tend to be a little more dominant until the until the batters catch up. I thought the whole point of pitchers and catchers reporting before the the hitters is the fact that it takes a little longer for them to stretch out their arms. I would have expected that um, by the time the season gets going, that it's they're relatively even. They're both getting there at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is it is it more of a byproduct of temperature and weather and whatnot that the numbers are down a little bit or is it more a byproduct of the pitchers got there first so they're closer to you know full bore and uh let's say you know season or game condition yeah. and the batters haven't quite gotten there if, yeah. and if that's the case why not have batters show up at the same time the pitchers show yeah. up i mean and that's why i said before they officially show up two weeks later they're there when right. we get there, when we used to yeah. get there, right? They're right. hitting. They're yeah. they're they're not officially there. Yeah, I think there's a difference between a bullpen when nobody's pitching, you know, and just watching, just tracking balls as a hitter, rather than taking batting practice. And then the next level is live games in spring training, and then the ultimate level is live games during the season. So, right. I think it's easier to mimic that from a pitcher's standpoint, um, that adrenaline rush, that like game ready, that game competition from a pitcher's perspective than a hitter's perspective. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I was always under the impression that, yo, guess what? When spring training happens, you need to be locked in immediately when you get here. Right. Right. Like, what is this ramping up? I mean, it's what did you pick up a ball two weeks ago? Right. Like right. all of a sudden. But I don't know if I was a veteran, would I do the same thing? Maybe if I had the luxury to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it. I think it truly varies between all players and whatnot. But I'd say. They'd probably agree to a solid two weeks of getting ready before the season, and it also depends on how late they delay this um, work stop. How long it goes on? Yeah. yeah, if it's months in, it, it might be a week or two because they're like, we need to get this thing started asap. Yeah. Um, it I'm, also maybe if it's earlier, you know, maybe it's only a month in, they might just say, okay, we'll take two weeks. So yeah. I don't know. It's also less salary they got to play the players too, right? Because yeah. they're, I guarantee they're gonna be complaining about that. Less games, less money they're gonna get. Right. A prorated salary, right? The owners are not going to be, you know, they're not going to be uh, too afraid to do that. They're going to be like, okay, cool. You want to wait two months? I don't care. I only get to pay you 80% of your salary. You know, so there's just so many factors. There truly is so many factors. I'm fearful for the people that, you know, the specific group you mentioned that may not be doing anything right now, and they're just going to wait for that phone call, and then it's like, ugh, two weeks up? Let me start ramping up. <laughs> um, you know, what does that do to their body? Because I think we saw something similar here at the Energy Lab and Dr. Frey, maybe even 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 the uh, you know more in the orthopedic office where you know people were getting back from COVID yeah. and just jump back into sports or activity, physical activity, being outside, kind of a higher level of injuries. Yeah, and, and we just saw a slew of people at, at the high school level, college level, fitness level, just tendonitis, you know, yeah. soft tissue injuries. But when you consider what call it the COVID fifteen, no, right? No, no. But yeah, <laughs> you know, you you, you think about what 
what demands a, a major league pitcher puts on their arm. And they haven't been ready and then are trying to jump in too quickly. It can't end good. Yeah. Nah, it's just like the football thing, right? Less right. preseason games, more injuries. So that's yeah. like the theory, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'll probably see you'll probably see more soft tissue nagging things, right? right. Cool. Hammies, yeah. um, oblique strains, yeah. right? You know, Ten mild tendonitis, yeah. you know, dead arm, yeah. right? Yeah. All that stuff is going to play, right. I'm sure. And there's going to be a built-in excuse immediately. So, yeah, they're going to have to deal with it. I mean, hopefully there's not going to be any of these catastrophic injuries like TJ or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Know? That was uh, Mike Vitas, uh, who was here right before we, we started the night, uh, right. the head of strength and conditioning at the Energy Lab, who, by great. the way, we got to get him on at some point. I but. know. We talk about it every week. <laughs> We've got to uh, do it. funny, dude. But Mike was always saying through it all was like coaches, strength coaches, we're going to know who was staying ready during right. all this, and we'll know who wasn't come the return of sports. And sure enough, I mean, it was, like I said, that a steep incline of people we were treating there at the Energy Lab. Greg, did you, you know, we talked about your, your on a collateral ligament injury. Uh, what other arm, arms, elbow slash shoulder, what other injuries did you have throughout your career? Yeah, so UCL was in college, right? Um, that was when I was a sophomore in college. But then when I was playing pro ball at the end of 09, or really beginning of 09, probably I just dealt with it. I had a labral tear in my shoulder. My biceps tendon was like hanging by a thread it probably still is right right um so i, I got it to breed it after the season in 2009 out in san diego um they left the tendon alone because they're like ah, we're not gonna do anything with it yeah um, yeah so that i did that and then actually towards the end of my career i tore my labrum in my hip my mm -hmm. right hip oh man yeah so i had that repaired too and they shaved down my head right uh, right that fai right? fai yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah i guess those are the two ones yeah right side of my body right to the beating so after you've had these injuries, right? You have the, the UCL injury, um, which is which is the you know the Tommy John yeah. uh, surgery. You're coming back, you're working through it and whatnot. And, and I remember you saying like 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 yeah, you actually like like we were surprised you can actually throw really hard. And yeah. we talked about the fact you know is the difference the fact that you rehab so hard, um, or is the difference actually the the repair? My my take on it is typically that people rehab so hard after that injury that that's why their performance improves. Were there other changes made? Like, um, how much did you work with a throwing coach? How much did it, did they change your, your your pitching format? What other changes were made to try to prevent one second injury or two secondary injury? Another another injury somewhere on the kinetic chain. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So, like, I look back in my career and I, I was like, I, I probably dealt with more injuries or you know minor injuries than I that I really like were diagnosed, right? Um, but spe specifically, um, my labrum, right? So. That whole 2009 season, I mean, beginning of the season, I was dealing with arm just pain, right? But I fought through it. I'm like, I can't, I can't say anything. I got to keep pitching, pitching, pitching. Right. Made it to the big leagues. Had a few, had a good month, right? Really. And then, like, the pain, I just literally couldn't handle it anymore. But right. I just kept throwing through it. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm like, they're like, are you hurt? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and they were like, Why do you are you missing? okay? Can right, you pitch? Right. I'm like, it's okay if you say you're hurt. I'm like, yeah, I probably need, like, a couple weeks. So, anyway, fought throughout that season. What I'm getting at is, is that through that whole process, I decided to take it on my own to throw differently, right? I'm like, okay, I'm like a low three-quarter arm slot guy. Well, what if I raise my hand a little bit? Right. I don't hit that as much. So now I'm throwing, I'm, I'm a totally different pitcher, at least in my mind I am, at least the way I'm attacking hitters. So yeah, I played with different arm angles, not necessarily going and saying, hey, to a pitching coach, like, how do I work around this injury? Right. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. But I was constantly messing with arm angles with how my arm felt that month. Yeah. Seriously. You know, I promise you, when I came back at the end of 2009, 
I, w I went on the DL for, actually, I don't think I officially went on the DL because it was September and they had a bunch of guys. So I was just was down for a few weeks. Got a quarter zone shot, felt back, came back feeling pretty darn good. However, I had hit my old arm slot again and I would hear it, I'd hear, I'd feel a pinch, right? I'm like, pinch. I'm like, ah. So then all of a sudden I just started to throw straight over the top. Right. I was fairly successful, you know, for a few outings or whatever it may be. But I remember my pitching coach saying, coming in after like, I remember I struck out Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I come out and he's like, what was that? I'm like, I thought he was messing around with me. I'm like, I don't know, I just struck out Andrew McCutcheon. He was, I think he was a rookie or a second year at the time. He's like, yeah, your arm angle is way off. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, go back to your arm angle, old arm, old arm angle. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> so like, totally out of my mind. I'm like, okay, I guess I can't do that. Am I going to pitch like I was pitching before? But like, right. whatever. So, um, constantly changing arm angles. No. So now, fast forward to 2012. That was 2009, right? 2012. I was, I was, uh, I signed on with the Orioles, right? It was minor league uh, contract with the Orioles, one year deal. Go to spring training. And uh, uh, yeah, I went to big spring training. Um, had an okay spring training, but I was like 89, maybe 90, which is right. nothing, right? Right-handed guy. It was like, I knew I was like, and I'm, I'm on the way out. Right. Towards the end of spring training, I'm like, I gotta just change it up. So was dealing with a little bit of soreness, a little bit of tightness, you know, a mild bit of pain, probably more pain than I probably let on. I started to throw a sidearm. That, so <laughs> I promise you. So I was like, I'm gonna try to totally change where I'm at. I knew that I was facing getting released like right. the next day it's so on the horizon yeah. you gotta so, try anything absolutely. you can absolutely i'll yeah. start anything against the wall yeah. so you can stop. Why, why are you knuckleballing today Greg? Yeah, yeah i would have tried that if this is where i promise you so rick peterson was there at the time now he was he's known for the big money ball guy he used to be out in oakland with the a's you know right. he's like a you know very like you know wild philosopher and you know talks about all kinds of things that aren't related to baseball but tries to bring it back to baseball good dude knows a lot about baseball but interesting guy but i knew so he was the uh pitching instructor at the time so i knew that he would be interested in this so I'm like, look, Rick, I was like, I'm trying something new. What do you think about this? I'm going to try to drop down and start throwing sidearm. Mm -hmm. I thought I, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was crazy. I thought it looked stupid. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm embarrassing myself in front of everybody else, but I got to do whatever I can do. Right. I get on the mound. All of a sudden, I start doing these turbo sinkers, and they're just guys are missing. Mm -hmm. Strike. And I was never a fastball miss guy. Like I would, it was like a soft contact ground ball guy. Right. And I'm throwing like swing and miss fastballs, swing and miss fastballs. My velocity jumped two miles an hour. Seriously. Like this is the kind of stuff that like yeah. I would do because of injury. I wouldn't have done this otherwise because I was hurting, was down where I was towards the end of my career. Totally started throwing sidearm. Next thing you know, fast forward and a year later, I'm back in the big leagues with the Mets throwing sidearm. Right. Like, you know, so I don't know if other guys are like this, but where I was at was I'll do anything I could do to get back to the big leagues. Unfortunately enough, I was able to do it. Right. But I guarantee you guys are constantly tweaking how they throw, what they do, what they throw in certain circumstances because they have arm pain. And, and, and I don't know. I hope this year doesn't you know, create more of that, but chances are it probably will. But I think it happens every season otherwise. But. I always said that uh, you know, through my athletic training education, right, like we're taught a specific skill set, but – there's nothing like learning things hands-on, you know, when you're on the bench, right? And I remember asking, and his name escapes me. It's not because I'm afraid to say it, but um, we had a lefty submarine guy. And nice. I just kind of started, I was like, hey, uh, I would love to ask you, like, and I know our, our listeners right now can't see me, but, like, when did you stop doing this yeah. and say, this is normal, right? right. Like, just, like, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, this, Absolutely. On, like, yeah, you're almost doing it underneath, right? Yeah. And his answer to me, Greg, was when you suck and you're facing release, you try anything. There you go. And, um, Amen to that. Because yeah. sometimes it and, works. Yeah. And he said, works. he's like, so I found out that I was much better basically throwing like a freak 
Absolutely. Under, you know, yeah, you gotta I'll, be weird. Yeah, be weird and different. But it throws batters off, right? It, yeah, it's it coming from a it's strictly weird. It could be it could be subpar stuff, but right. nobody sees it. So you're like, yeah. what is that? And I don't I, even know what to do with this. He was Dude. basically like, he said he said the exact same thing. He's like, I I knew I was I was gonna get released. Yeah. I had to try something, and I found the niche as like a weird lefty lefty right, matchup seventh inning guy and. I ended up extending my AAA career another five years because of it. And I was Absolutely. like, good enough for me. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Who was um, the knuckleballer? For the, and I can't believe I forget his name. The knuckleballer for the Mets. Dickey. Dickey. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, and then they traded him, which is the best move the Mets have ever made. Yeah. Like as, you know, and, but, but yeah, like he had that phenomenal year. Yeah. He had the phenomenal year. He um, Cy Young, uh, right, went think, to Cy Young. Yeah. And oh, and, and unbelievable, like, like kind of a desperation move, and he was. It was like he would throw his his knuckleball, yeah. and then he would throw a fastball at like ninety miles an hour, and like the change in speed and whatnot. Absolutely, and, yeah. I'd say all knuckleballers, I'd imagine, were conventional pitchers at right, some point. I, right. I guarantee you that. Plus, I've I've seen a few submarine guys. I think their transition or their desperation moment yeah. happened That's just it earlier. The desperation. Yeah, yeah. It just happened yeah. earlier. Right. So if they came in the pros already throwing sidearm, well. They weren't very good when they were in high school. So right. they said, let me try this. Yeah. And then they just figured it out early. Right. right? So right. it's just, uh, yeah, there's a maturation process maybe, when it comes to that. Is that next on the list, like a, a lefty submarine knuckleball thrower? Like Dude, is, is, if it works, <laughs> I guarantee somebody's going to sign him. Because <laughs> <laughs> that pitcher sounds impossible to hit, too. You know? Yeah, to the knuckleball. I mean, like, I mean, there's only been what, maybe a handful of knuckleballers yeah. ever, maybe more. I don't know. But it seems like not many. But successful. you ever try throwing a knuckleball, man, it is yeah. damn near impossible is to it? do this. Yeah. When somebody gets it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can't hit it. You, you don't yeah. even know what's going to They don't know what's going to do. Right. Watch the catchers. They don't know yeah. how to catch it. Right, right, right. I mean, Tim Whitfield did it forever, right? I mean, you got a few guys who just were really good I, at it. But Dickey was really good, too, because Dickey actually had a decent fastball. Right. It wasn't overpowering, but when he's throwing, he know, he know that's right, he threw a hard knuckleball. knuckleball right. It was like low 80s. So right. that thing was dancing through the air the yeah. whole time at a good velocity. And then he'd burn in an 89-mile-an-hour fastball that right. looked like 105. You're yeah. not expecting, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was... Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, I forget which catcher it was, but they were. It might have been whoever was catching for Knoblock at the time. But what's the best way to catch a knuckleball? And he said, "Close your eyes and pray." I, <laughs> you have no That's idea where it's coming. You know, like <laughs> exactly. I. Just, <laughs> yeah, you get this. You get the, yeah. the big, the big pancake uh, yeah. catcher's mitt. Yeah. Right, you get right. two hands right. on it. <laughs> yeah. Totally unconventional because now right. guys are like smallest catcher mitt, legs out. Yeah. You know, they're like yeah. they're like falling asleep back there. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally different. So so. Bringing it back to some kind of the medical side of things, before I go down this story, before I ask this question, I remember being in spring training. I had the good fortune, you know, during my fellowship, we took care of the Pirates, and um, sitting down uh, on the field, uh, watching some, with, uh, some of the guys are warming up and like pulling my chair right up adjacent to the like the, the pitching mound as they're as they're warming up, getting ready to go in the game, and like watching it, like this eff- what looks effortless kind of throwing, and like watching it. Suck. You know, like like just amazing to watch it go. Clearly, it's not effortless, right? Like, right. do you think there is a risk or increased risk for these guys, like like injury, because um, just like we talked about, some of them are going to come in ready to go in shape, but I don't can't imagine all of them are, right? Like like, no, no, how does this pan out? It happens every season, right? And I'd imagine this only makes more of that right they're gonna have more people not in shape more players i mean shame on them if they are but unfortunately it is what it is right and look maybe they don't have the facilities for it i mean i hate to say that but i don't know you're a northeast guy you really can't get outside 
I don't know. I can make excuses for days. At the end of the day, you should, right. it's your job. You need to get it done. But um, if, yeah, you're, if you're a Northeast guy, you're not too far from New Jersey. There's some a place called Total Turf. There you go. <laughs> Plug. Perfect segue. Right, 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 right. No, sorry. Greg, if you ended the season on uh, on the DL, and then the lockout happens, are, are those athletes still able to like access their or they're just off on their own yeah. or yeah no, it's all facilities it's yeah major, they're owned by so, a facility yeah or there's the, not there's the not team. even a stipulation like if you were already under medical care chances uh, are yeah no um i don't know so, I, I yeah so that's a good question yeah. so um i no they can't go to the facility yeah. right you can't go to the big league team you can't yeah. go to the spring training that's complex. crazy yeah which is i nuts. get it but that's crazy now like for instance when i rehab one off season i had a, a trainer out in pa so like that i would go to because mm-hmm. i would live at home so Maybe they have a situation like that. Right. I'm not 100 percent right. sure. I guarantee they're still communicating with the trainer because right. there's a good relationship there. And, you know, we, we had talked about. Uh, I think the, I guess it was the last episode you're on where we we're talking about Tyler Glass now. Yeah. So we know he had the Tommy John, and I know he's different because he has plenty of expendable income, right? But it's just crazy to think that he's. They were just like. Good luck with everything, yeah. and uh, we'll you know, see go you once fi- it opens again. Yeah, go find your own guy. Yeah, I don't know how that goes, right? Because like. I understand there's a, a work stoppage, but I wonder. I, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know that. I'm I don't know. Scared, the, yeah. I don't know the exact question. Like, are is there stipulations where like you can't talk to them? Like, you understand? Like, yeah. you're an employee of the team, you can't talk. I don't know. I'd imagine there's still some communication yeah. there, um, like on a personal level. And I'm so sure Tyler so. could find the best yeah, of the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be so okay. like he'll he'll be fine. But yeah. maybe not everybody has that those yeah. resources. He'll be but, okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so beyond the injury part, you know, I know this is you know an orthopedic yeah. podcast, <laughs> but. I'm just thinking about from a baseball standpoint. Yeah, anything. So those low-level free agents, right? I mean, think about that, right? The season, they, they agree, right? Now, you, all of a sudden, you get free agency, right? You got these big time. You got Freddie Freeman still on the market. Right. Right? You got, um, who's the shortstop for Houston? Correa. Carlos Correa. Oh, that's Carlos what I was going to say. But right, for right, right. I was yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. not right. as young. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. he's young when it comes yeah. to free agency. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it just all, it was my position, so that's why I have this perspective yeah. on it. But like. Those low-level free agents. I don't know. Are they going to get a job this year? Like, worry maybe, about that. maybe not. Right. Yeah. Is spending going to be limited? I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think this whole thing is just interesting because there are a lot of people right now without jobs. Like, God, they're going to get jobs. It's going to happen at some point, um, and they're not worried about it. Believe me, and they'll be okay. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it's just going to be interesting how it like all pans out, and I, I, it could be a fury too, right? Because think about this: you go like, okay, season's going to start in two weeks or a week. Okay, here we go. Carlos Correa drops. Freddie Freeman signs back to the Braves. Like all of a sudden, it's going to be like this, just, just like fury of just yeah. signings. I think. Right. Or are you going to have people saying, well, well, "I'm still going to wait. I'm going to hold out just because you're starting the season." I mean, I need to sign. I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. Probably a lot of one-year deals um, because they're just going to sign for the season. But then that's going to be interesting too. Right. So now you got these really high-paid, sought-after one-year free right. agents guys. Right. So I don't know. I think that's kind of cool to think about what that's going to bring. Yeah. I don't know. It's Freddie Freeman. Probably not. I'll probably like the Braves. But like, right. I don't know. I heard the Yankees are interested. I don't know. The Yankees are going to pay him as much as they possibly can for one year. Right. Um, screw the luxury tax. I don't care. We'll go over that. Yeah. And um, Does the luxury tax still exist? Like, the yeah. And that's, that's, right. And of course, that's yeah. what they're, they're arbitrating about, too. Or they're right. trying to figure out. One, one of the interesting arguments, uh, one of the interesting asks from the players, which I, which I think makes a whole lot of sense, again, uh, who took care of the pirates is the idea is that they want the revenue sharing rules to change, right? Like you have too many teams like the pirates that have no interest in winning. Their interest is simply 
um, keeping the uh, payroll down, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're gonna, they're, they know they're going to get a certain amount of money from their TV contracts. They know they're going to get a certain amount of money shared with them from, from other teams. And it's a smaller market. And it doesn't matter how well they do. They're going to be financially in the green. They're going to they're going to make money as long yeah. as they don't oh, yeah. pay too much. Absolutely. So, 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 you know, like I, I really admire the fact that that's one of the points that the players are going for. Like if you're one of the players that's stuck on one of, one of those teams that's using, utilizing that strategy, like I get it. I understand why you're pissed. And, and yeah. if you're a fan in that city, yeah. I think you're rooting for the players. Yeah. I mean, in this situation, it plays both sides for the players, right? They're right. like, okay, look, we want, you know, if you're talking to the fans, you could say, hey, we want to be competitive. We want to have one of, put a competitive product on the field. Wouldn't it make more sense if you pay these higher players so Pittsburgh can be competitive every year? Right. And then they're also saying, well, you need to pay us more money too for that to happen, right? right. So it works both sides for that. Sure. But I understand what you're talking about. If ultimately it comes back to, hey, we want to get back on the field. This is for the fans. That's, you know, what we do this for. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, well. that's a, yeah, it's a, that's an argument that's for sure uh, valid. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, even this, 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 uh, like, I mean, I wrote down a few points here just because of what I've been looking at. It's this tax uh, threshold, right? The luxury tax threshold, right? So there is no salary cap in baseball, right? And that's right. always been the biggest thing. And sure. the PA says that will never happen. It's the only sport that doesn't have it. We'll never have it. However, this luxury tax, teams don't want to go over. So ultimately, it's like this pseudo threshold or cap that's, that's there, but it's not like really, you know, a salary cap. Right. So that's one thing that I think they want less. And I think they want the luxury tax to come down. And so more teams go over that luxury tax, the penalty to go down on that luxury tax. Um, and and the, the owners want the opposite, right? Right, of course. So that's one thing. I mean, I, I can understand that. I don't know. I mean, it's more money. I mean, I can see both sides of it, right? Sure. I don't know where they're going to end up on that. That's going to be an interesting one. I think that one's going to stick. The young players um, getting paid, right? So they want these younger. So I think in the last couple of years, salaries actually have gone down on average. Because they're they're paying these they're they're having more Younger young guys players less. in the league and they're they're paying them less right, so they want that to change, which is interesting because that used to I feel like maybe I was just a little bit I didn't I didn't know enough about it, but I feel like when I was in these talks years and years and years ago, um, it was all about veteran salary, veteran salary. But I think that's been the, the change over the time. It's now like they're really bringing up these these younger players um, once they're you know um, able to bring up as far as like service time. So that's another issue too. Is a service time manipulation, right? right? That's a that's a big thing, right? Like that's been forever. Not, not bringing their guys up until you know right. July, whatever it is, yeah. so, so the free goes, agency clock doesn't start ticking. Absolutely, and, and then they've been doing this for a really long time. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to change because that's going to be really interesting. They've been doing that for a really long time when they had these superstar players in the minor leagues that should be up immediately or should have been up a year ago, and they're the, waiting for their clock. Right? The, the the truth is, if you take away the start time becomes the contract, right? Not when they come up, then 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 all that goes away. Then these teams are bring these guys up as quickly as yeah. they can. Yeah, so so I think to, sum, like, to summarize all of this, ultimately to put the best product on the field, to get the best competition, you know, it's going to cost money at the end of the day. Right. And where does that money come from? The owners. Right. They got it. And it's a business. And they want to semi-limit on how much, of course, they can pay, right? Of course they can. You can't pay every guy $40 million. It might be the best product on the field, but they don't want to do that. And for, you know, I, I know why, right? It's, it's money Perfect. out of their pocket and they right. can make money otherwise. So, and that's always been the, the, the give and take. It's like, so that's what the players say. Well, you want to put the best product on the field? That's their argument. And everybody's like, yeah, don't you want to do that? And the owners are like, well, damn, no. that's a lot of money it's going to cost us. So, I don't know. But they're in a stalemate. So, we'll see what happens. But. I don't know if you heard the story uh, regarding the Tampa Bay Rays and the owners suggested a sister city. I don't know if you saw that. What? 
So the owners, pay, you know, the, the Raves have been struggling with attendance, you know, and, you know, they can't move it. You know, they're trying to get a new ballpark. It was a whole bunch Despite of back and forth. Despite being great. Which so I guess they had, they, they had pitched right. the idea, they had pitched the idea that was shut down by a majority vote of other owners where half the games would be played in St. Petersburg, half the games in Montreal. Uh, and was, you know, majority, Heck you know, yeah. voted. They were trying to just split costs a little bit. Yep. There's always been rumors about an, another expansion team back in Montreal. Right. Had this not been a strike year, I mean, do you, do you ever see that possibly happening? Well, look, the, the preseason games, they'll have like one of the one or final two or yeah. three games up there, right? right. Montreal? Yeah. yeah. Crazy attendance. They right. love it. Players right. say it's awesome. Right. Yeah. The fans show up, pack right. it out like right. just bananas. Like it's, right. it's awesome. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. That sounds awesome. That sounds yeah. like a great idea. But guess what? If they could figure this out, maybe they could work towards that. Right. 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 Like right. the NFL does, expanding, right? right? Yeah. Expanding to other countries. Right. Yeah. Uh, things right. like the, that. The Jaguars are always going to have a game in London, right? right. It just right. helps a little bit to have one less game. You know, yeah. they're just struggling. Now, hopefully Trevor Lawrence turns that around. But yeah, it's the same Doug idea, P. right? Doug yeah. Over there, right? Yeah. Uh, same yeah. idea, right? Like, have Congratulations, Doug Peterson. They're, uh, they're struggling to fill, you know, that stadium in St. Petersburg. But hey, if half the games, if, they, if fans could only get the, what is it, 82 game, uh, or sorry, yeah, it's like 80, 80, 80 home games. So yeah. if they can only get the 80 or 40 instead of 80, maybe it's it's more packed. And then like for you said, 40. Montreal is packed all 40 of those. Yeah. I wonder if Montreal goes for it though. You know what I mean? Like are they uh, No, like, apparently they were, crap. I think they were on board. It was really just the MLB and the other owners. Uh, do they go back to Olympic Stadium? Like I wonder. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know, but there's a lot of history there. Yeah, right? but that, yeah, that, that team was beloved, right? Like, like they, yeah. They, Greg, I'm not, I think I'm not, they need a team. I'm not sure if you finished uh, last week's episode. Uh, I know you mentioned you, you kind of tuned in. Uh, Tom Brady's retirement. <laughs> yeah. So right, last uh, Expos play, yeah. right? Something <laughs> like that. Kind of, kind of ridiculous, right? <laughs> I was like, gonna say that. It's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> But hey, yeah, uh, that is nuts. Last two questions for you, and yeah. it, it ties into what we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, the steroid era is what brought back baseball. Yeah. Uh, the steroid era brought back baseball in '94. Well, you know when that '98, you know, yeah, from exactly. Strike, yeah. Um, we saw the report. The for the first time in 20 years, MLB is not testing players. Yeah, and that's all due to well, if there's no CBA, then we can't really do anything, right? Yeah. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> People are doing it probably anyway, but right. now it's like, yeah. yep. I mean, if you're going to do go. it, now's the time to Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I guarantee yeah. you. Could this be a detriment or a benefit? Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it, That's right? Look yeah. At. I mean, guys are going to be, you know, yeah. bigger, stronger, faster, all that right. good stuff, which played in 98. Yeah. yeah. I, don't I don't know. I don't need this bullfrog anymore. I'm going to take this. Yeah. Other. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. I'm a little bullfrog. Yeah. And this little bit of that. I don't know. That, that that's an issue. I saw that on Barstool yeah. too. There's like I'm sure it's been everywhere. And Barstool. that's yeah. And and again, it's not. It was like it was really released as like clickbait, right? Of like course. everybody clicked on it, but yeah. then it was like, well, actually, this it went into effect months ago when the league went on strike. But we're gonna make it like new news. But last question for you, and I would love Dr. Frey your opinion too. I am easily the most. I can just fall into whatever conversation. I've read tons of reports of why Bonds and Clemens shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. That, what they did was a disgrace. Then I read an article about why they should be. And I'm like, it's terrible that they're not. They they missed their last chance to be elected to the Hall. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is I think they need to be in. Right? Yeah. That's the short answer. Um, I actually read an article Doug Glanville write, uh, wrote. Mm -hmm. He said something along the lines of he didn't think they should have got in the Hall of Fame 
you know, because of, you know, obviously steroid use and, and right. manipulating the game and the integrity and all that, which, which is valid. I got it. But he said that he thinks that they deserve to be what they did deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, whether it's right. a different sectional Hall of Fame that's like, that categorizes this error of baseball um, as whether it's the steroid error or the performance enhancing like, a, like error. an asterisk error or yeah, like, like an asterisk section of yeah, the Hall of, of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like it's been a part of baseball's history. Right. It shouldn't be just you know right you know uh, vanished from the records right. or or whatever like, it as, may be as it pretend like it didn't happen. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, we can all agree that Bonds would have made the Hall of Fame regardless. Right. Bonds would have made the arguably the best hitter and the be- best pitcher of all time. Arguably, arguably. yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, look at their stats. I, I got it. They were padded. With um, this, with steroids, with bonds, I think it's, it's it's almost like not even an argument. Like, like yeah, incredible. Yeah, would he have gotten there? Eh, probably not. But whatever, he would have right. been in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, I, like I said, short answer for me is I think they should be in. Will they get in? I don't know because they can be voted at this point right by the players or some kind of like uh, players board. Or oh, whatever, there's like others. Uh, yeah, yeah, another way around it. Yeah, yeah. It's possible, but I don't know. Some of those guys are you know on the fence of like we don't want them in. So I don't know. I think they should be involved in some way, some form. I would have them. I would I would elect them. I would vote for them. If I had a ballot, I would for sure vote for these guys. Doctor Fred, I went I went to the I was at the were baseball Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah, uh, this past uh, this past um, September November yeah. I, I forget early November right yeah. like right right around the World Series actually I was there, and I found it very interesting that Pete Rose, banned from baseball and whatnot, is in the Hall of Fame in like five or six different places. Right, mm-hmm. like like Jeez. they're like, what about Pete Rose? And there's like a vote for him for this and vote for him on that and then, like like. Is that truly banned from baseball? Is that truly mm-hmm. not in the Hall of Fame? His name keeps coming up. Yeah. Every third room I walk into. So, so I, I do. I find it interesting. I think your point, like, like the asterisk hallway or something or other, where where they talk about that error in, in, in baseball and and talk about some of the guys that were really like spectacular, right? You know, <laughs> Rafael Palmeiro kind of waving his finger. You know, like, oh, for sure. Like, like, like there's, there's a lot of stories yeah. there, and there's a lot of history, and it's kind of exciting to. Yeah, they're almost getting penalized for being too good because I right. guarantee you there's some people in there that have definitely taken some performance enhancers that got in, but they were like good, but like not Bonds good, right? right. Like not like right. the best ever. They're penalized for being too good. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. it made them too good. Yeah. So, I'm, so not, I'm not I sure think if they're... under yeah. that setting, under that guise, or under that scenario, yeah, I, I actually think like, they're spectacular baseball players. They should be more. Yeah. And I don't condone it. I don't condone it by yeah. any means. No, no. For sure. I think that, that wasn't the question. Sport. Yeah, right. for sure. It was part of the sport for a, a long time. And it got overlooked for a really long time, but I, at the end of the day, I think that I think they deserve to get in. But I, I could see the counter argument too. So. I, I feel like I referenced the movie Eight Men Out on an episode before, which mm-hmm. means either Greg was here or Doctor Murray, because that <laughs> seems to be whoever we talk yeah, yeah, baseball yeah, yeah, yeah. about. One or the other. But um, one of the things I read was about how there's people in the Hall of Fame, and there's not really levels of cheating, right? But there's people in the Hall of Fame that were doing the spitball or nicking the ball or you know and that was illegal you you know (laughs) you know that those were illegal things and then they had to change the rules to prevent that so they they also cheated you know yes in in obviously yeah to find a level of cheating right exactly is what you're you're asking them to do but it's like some people are in the hall of fame despite certain aspects of their game Now, now the counter argument would be that you know if you know these guys were doing it, then you need to penalize them a little bit to discourage others from doing it, right? And you don't want the trickle-down effect. If guys in the pros are doing it, 
the guys in, in the minors and in college feel like they need to do it in order yeah. to make the pros. For sure. And then the guys in high school feel like, well, I need to do it in order to, to make it college or like, a, yeah. and, and, and that's the trickle down effect that you're trying to prevent. So I, I understand the counter argument that you don't want it to go down that road, but at the same time, like that is, that's an error in baseball that existed. Mm -hmm. They turned a blind eye for a very long time. And it's, it's no, everybody did. Everybody right, did. Yeah, why, right. why, why penalize those particular players at that point in time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This will be a debate for years until they get in or they don't. I don't right. kind of like the Pete Rose thing. I and guess, it's, right? yeah. it's done. Like, can they get in at this point or that's it? Well, that's what Greg just mentioned. There's there's like this like uh, secondary vote by, I think it's just players on this uh, voting council. And I don't know if they vote every year. It might even be during like the Hall of Fame voting, but there's, there's still a chance. But it's like this, there's only one way for them to get in at this point because they're off the ballot. Right. And they just have to be voted in by this, I think, mostly player representative um, board, whatever. Yeah. I know that's like kind of a vague explanation, but because there's always there's a chance, there's always players like in, in certain sports, right? That you'll see that they've already dis they're deceased, but they have been elected, and like their family will accept. So that, yeah, in yeah. my mind, if, if uh, uh, you know, I guess unless there's, there's uh, some unlikely circumstances, they've already passed their eligibility, so there must be a way for them to get in. Yeah, there is a way at some sure, point. Yeah. yeah, it's just you know, circumstantial. Well. I don't know how we did, but we we said that Dr. Murray was our you know our quote unquote baseball guru. I don't know why we just coined Greg that from the right. beginning. He but knows a lot. We're gonna have we're gonna have to we're gonna have to let Doctor Murray we're gonna have to let Doctor Murray know he's been bumped from that position. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Greg, can't thank you enough for joining us again, man. This uh, is always yeah, fun. This place is great. I love it. Yeah. Get me back soon. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Well, like we said, it's a bumping night down here at Neck of the Woods. We're gonna go ahead and close out our tab. Let Brian, uh, you know, start cleaning up our end of the table here. <laughs> uh, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on new approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, of course, for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. And our good friends at Timber Reel Productions. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.